The Ziggler Show. Timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 319 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, brand ambassador and marketing strategist for Ziggler. Today's show topic is marital devotion for overall success. Before we get into that, I want to thank you guys for downloading this Ziggler Show podcast, obviously sharing it with others. Uh, we're halfway through the month, already have 10,000 more downloads uh, this month than we did last time this month. And just thank you. We are sitting at number seven in overall top business podcast in iTunes. And as Tom and I were just looking here a minute ago, sitting at number 79 in top podcast overall in the across the globe, I guess. And that is just so honoring. Uh, please, if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating in iTunes and leave a review uh, that will inspire others to hear the Ziegler message. And that actually bumps our rankings up and more people see it and they get to hear more of this truth that we're bringing you from Zig. Well, I want to highlight something from this clip as well. In the story, Zig tells about a tells a story about his son-in-law. It highlights his son-in-law Jim Norman, who is husband to his daughter Julie, uh, which is Tom, who's sitting with me here, Tom's sister. And Jim passed away one month ago. I was actually slated to join Tom at a Ziegler event in Phoenix, Arizona to do some work on an upcoming book. The trip was canceled because of Jim's death. It was a long fight with cancer. So it's with great honor we bring you some of Jim in this clip. And on that note, Tom, I wanted to ask you, and a lot of people listening, uh, I've heard stories about Jim. They've been listening to Zig and, and know some of him. What's a standout memory you had of Jim and how he emulated the heart of Ziegler? Well, one I remember, and this wasn't too long ago, maybe uh, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, we were having an event here at our office, and um, of course, my sister Julie has been traveling a lot, speaking. She does a lot of work with nonprofits, and uh, even corporate world, she goes out and speaks. And Jim was there in the room, just kind of watching from the side, and one of the people in the room asked a question to Jim. They said, Jim, uh, your wife, Julie, is speaking and traveling a lot. How does it feel to know that your wife is out there traveling and you're at home? How do you uh, maintain the relationship? What do you guys do? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, so many people go through that circumstance where one of the spouses travels. And this is what Jim said that I, I've never forgotten. He, he said, you know, in our marriage, and you can read the books about it. Julie wrote about it growing up, Ziegler and and, she's, and she and Jim were very frank. They did a lot of marriage counseling uh, for people. You know, they worked people with their marriages because they went through so many difficulties themselves. And this is what Jim said. Jim said that as soon as I figured out that my role as the husband was to create the environment that would allow Julie to be, do, and have all that God created her to be, to use her gifts in all those ways, as soon as I realized that was my role, to create the environment where Julie could use the gifts that God gave her, that's when everything straightened out. That's when the relationship went to the next level. And, of course, there's an impl implication in that, and that is, is that, hey, Julie's responsibility is the same thing. 
you know, as the wife, her responsibility is to create the environment in their marriage and in their home to allow Jim to be all that God created him to be. And that was kind of a, a standout moment in, in, uh, in Jim. That's uh, an incredible prelude of the roots of exactly what we're talking about today. So with that, let's hear this clip from Zig, and then we'll talk about uh, very much what you just related in regards to Jim's testimony. Here you are. Now, if you want to build that uh, loving relationship, you build that respect, and you make friends with your mate. Your mate ought to be your best friend. You know, you think about it for a moment. You might say ugly things to and about your mate. You might do ugly things to your mate. But you're not going to say ugly things about your friend. You're not going to do ugly things to your friend. So if your best friend is your mate, that puts you in a good position. Now, deep friendships take lots of time. According to Dr. Nick Stennett, the statement, the amount of time you spend with your spouse is less important than the quality is just a marriage myth. In a recent survey, Dr. Stennett found out that more than 90% of the couples who considered their marriages strong and close also said they spent a great deal of time together. The survey also observed that divorced couples usually had spent little time together before this split. So as you start your courtship process over, I encourage you to take some time with your mate and build a few sandcastles. Last summer we had a magnificent experience. The redhead and I, along with our whole family, my Four children and their mates and the grandchildren all went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We were fortunate we found a big house and we uh, had it for a week and it was absolutely wonderful. Jim Norman, uh, one of my sons-in-law, uh, concocted this idea one uh, morning about the third day that he's going to go out and build a sandcastle. Well, Jim's a big man, and he does things in a big way, so his wasn't going to be just an ordinary sandcastle. I mean, uh, he built a big sandcastle. Well, he started it. Then other members of the family started pitching in, and then people passing by, you know, would stop, and they'd admire. And listen, it was an architectural masterpiece. I mean, it had a, a moat. It had the drawbridge. It had uh, the whole bit there, and people stopped to admire what was going on. And then that evening when the uh, tide started coming in, all of us were out there and there must have been at least 50 or 75 people watching the tide come up. And the first time the water sloshed over into the moat, there was a round of applause. I mean, we wanted to see what was happening there. And then the first time the water went all the way around the moat, there was another round of applause. And then when that first big one dug into the base of the castle, there was a resounding cheer, and guess who was leading the applause? That's right, old Zig was right there. Now, the next day, uh, Jim really got serious about building sandcastle. He, he bought himself a serious shovel. Now, there's a difference in shovels. He got a serious shovel. And he literally worked all day long. And if you thought that first one was something, you should have seen that second one. I mean, everybody was involved, you know. 
I've thought about that an awful lot of times. You don't have to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to build sandcastles. Of all the things we did over there, and that included playing a lot of golf, which as you know I have such a passion for, but the most fun we had was building that sandcastle. Everybody was involved. Husbands and wives need to build sandcastles together. They need to be doing the simple little things like that that do involve time. What was the hurry? How long did the sandcastle last? You could not tell that it had ever been there a couple of days later. And yet the memories will be with us for the rest of our life. Build those uh, sandcastles. Play some nine-point dominoes, some chess or some checkers. You need to study the little trivia games, the biblical trivia. Little things really do make a big difference. Where do you start? Well, one place to start, when our son was in the fifth grade, he brought home a recipe for a happy marriage. He says you take one cup of love, two cups of lawyer, three cups of forgiveness, four quarts of faith, and one barrel of laughter. Take love and lawyer and mix it thoroughly with faith. Blend it with tenderness, kindness, and understanding. Add friendship and hope. Sprinkle abundantly with laughter. Bake it with sunshine. Wrap it regularly with lots of hugs. Serve generous helpings daily. And you've got a marvelous recipe for that happy Marriage. Yeah, following that guideline will absolutely keep that marriage cooking. Guaranteed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me share just a few of the little things to go along with that. Not an enormous number, but for example, if when a husband is on his way home, if he sees some flowers or beautiful wild weeds, you remember how you did it when you were a child and would bring it to your mother? What it says to your maid is, I was thinking about you. In our company, we have a little procedure called I Like Because. It's a little pad. And we write it, I like my wife, but you'd want to change it to I love my wife or I love my husband because. And then give some specific observable behavior. When I'm on a trip and the redhead has put one of those in my pajamas, it just tickles me good to get one. Uh, When the husband repairs things that are broken, the first time his wife asks him, that just scores all kinds of points at home. Now that does not include me because I had a mechanical bypass when I was very young. (laughs) And that's out of my category. But some of you folks are, you know, you're handy uh, with tools when you just sew the button on without even being asked. When you build things for your wife's hobby. When you prepare a special dish or when you go shopping with her, fellas, or go to the football game with him, ladies, or if you put a warm note in a cold lunch so that when he reads that note at lunchtime, he will have forgotten about the fact that the sandwich was cold because it won't be cold. When you make that little phone call during the uh, coffee break, little things like that do make a difference. And fellas, if you get home early, if the clothes are in the washing machine that your wife put in there that morning, if you will go ahead and take them out of the machine and put them in the dryer, take you three minutes. But what a big saving that will be. If you've beaten her home to start the evening 
meal. What a delightful surprise that would be. Ladies, little things, and you do this based on your scheduling, obviously. But remember we talked in a previous recording about every day doing something for your mate that your mate is capable of doing for themselves. Little things like that make a difference. Be sensitive. And when your mate is just short of energy, when he's exhausted, uh, come to your mate's aid. Offer to help. DeSales said it so eloquently when he said, nothing is so strong as gentleness. Nothing is so gentle as real strength. Love, ladies and gentlemen, like sterling silver will tarnish and grow dull unless it is polished with daily applications of interest, involvement, and expressions of love. These little things can make a difference. They will make a difference. When you go out on social events, you want to stay together. You remember how it was when you were courting and y'all would go out to this big social event and some lecherous male would come bearing down on your beloved, how you would tuck her behind your back and put that hand up. And for the rest of the evening, you were Siamese twins. I mean, you were together. And I'll tell you, when you go out to social events, you stay together when you introduce your mate. You want to introduce that mate with considerable enthusiasm. This is the one I love. This is my wife. Say it with pride. On occasion, you need to take some time out from each other. My good friends, Phil and Carol Glasgow, back in 1981, started something that is so neat. They had uh, three children who were two years old, two years old, and five years old. No, they were not twins. When she was expecting a baby, they had put in earlier to adopt a baby. So they had two of them at two years old and one of them at five. Now, you mothers will agree she had her hands full, right? Well, old Phil one day concocted this brilliant idea. He sent Carol off to a resort area for a full week. She could sleep as late as she want, have breakfast sent to their room, spend the day in the sauna or around the pool doing all of the things that she wanted to do and forget all about the family. Phil took that week off from work and he was mom and dad. He took care of cleaning the house, cooking all the meals, looking after all the baby's needs. And then when Carol got home, it was a magnificent reunion. I'll tell you, Phil was so relieved, totally exhausted, <laughs> but it had been such a wonderful experience, and Carol was so glad to get her arms around those little ones as well as the big one. It gave Phil a brand new appreciation for what the household executive really does have to do. I'll tell you, the average male simply does not have the stamina to do things like that on a sustained basis. Now, understand, I know that's rare. Most people cannot afford to send their mate off for a week in a luxury resort area. But you can squirrel away a few bucks and at least let your wife have a Saturday where she sleeps until she decides to get up, where she then uh, goes to where she wants to go, whether it's the beauty shop, and I've always been amazed 
at what rearranging a few strands of hair on a woman's head will do for her uh, self-image and the way she feels. Let her go to a sauna. Let her go shopping. And fellas, remember, when a woman goes shopping, that definitely does not mean she's necessarily going to buy anything. On occasion, it's relatively safe. Not always, understand, uh, but it, uh, it can be very Save. You can uh, swap babysitting chores with other couples to get off together, but you need to take time out. So, Tom, to me, this story is one of devotion. Uh, Zig met a woman, got married. That's not remarkable. That's as common as waking up and eating breakfast for most people. But he devoted himself to his marriage, so much so that with a platform, uh, initially built on sales and career and business success that, that made Zig such a superstar, he chose two other things to use his platform to support. That was faith and marriage. Other things, but those seem to be the standout ones. I mean, he devoted himself to his marriage in a massive way. How many of us do that with marriage as opposed to treating it like a responsibility alongside paying the mortgage, maintaining the house, Servicing our automobiles, investing in our kids, pursuing a hobby. We have a spouse who ends up being a partner in the business of family, and we do the occasional date night, maybe, but the romance is gone, the sparks are gone, and now it's a commitment, a duty, which we are dutiful in. This is, uh, as we all know, the all-too-common trap, and we watch passion and romance and valor and love on screens instead. Why did Zig see it differently, and why does he cite it as a primary ingredient to his overall success and anyone's overall success? And that's what we're going to hit on uh, today. In the Millionaire Next Door, a book that I really liked, it was written by Thomas Stanley and William Danko. They cite that nearly 95% of millionaire households are composed of, a, of married couples who are married to their first spouse. And so Zig was obviously even earlier on to this fact. So Tom, you know, when was the first time that you realized, I mean, we all, you know, we grow up knowing what we know, uh, and we don't realize that it's different a lot of times. The first time you realized that your parents and your dad's devotion to your mom and their marriage was different than the norm, and how did that manifest? Well, there was two kind of instances. One was uh, when I was still young and in the house. You know, I think I was 12 or 13, and one of my friends, one of my buddies was going through a divorce. Uh, his parents were, and... I just kind of saw that, and that had never occurred to me because all I saw in our home uh, was was dad's devotion to mom and mom's devotion to dad. So when I was young, I was like, hey, there's this thing called divorce, and boy, my friends are really being impacted by it, right? And mom and dad, they used to make a big deal. They would celebrate their anniversaries down in uh, – they love San Antonio at the Riverwalk. Uh-huh. So, you know, in their in their 40th, 50th, 60th years of, of marriage, you know, they would take these little trips, just the two of them. And so it was just kind of part of our family tree that that these two, you know, that's that's what they did. You know, they were devoted to each other. Later on, when I started traveling with dad and, and I was attending many of the events that we go to, so many people would come up to me and they would say, you know, Nothing thrills me more. I love nothing more than when your dad talks about your mom from stage. And the way he expressed it, his love for mom and how much he cared about her. And, you know, because he would use the tone of voice and you could just see the twinkle in his eyes. And, 
you know, mom wasn't there most of the time at that point. She wasn't traveling with him, but he still talked about that. And it was like the couples in the room who had gone together. Uh, you could just see people starting to hold hands in the audience, right? Like the man and the woman who went together, you know, as a, as a couple. You could just see that infectiousness that dad had with how he described it. And, and just seeing so many people come in and say, you know what, my marriage was – you know, revived, revitalized, saved, whatever you want to say because of the example that your dad set. And that was like, whoa, wait a second. You know, not only can a marriage be intimate and special between two people, but it can be an example that'll help other people as well. And dad was free and saying, this is what I did. This, these are the things that this is the walk that I walked in order to make this happen. Okay. I, I, that, that reminds me. So you guys do ZLC. The Ziegler Legacy Certification Course, uh, which there's one coming up for those listening in July that there's still uh, a few slots open for. So go to ZieglerCertified.com. Uh, it's a week-long event, and I get to hear the testimonies from that, Tom. You guys spend five days, you, you and the Ziegler team, five days with a room full of people going through Ziegler Legacy Certification. And you're doing things like sales training and, uh, you know, see you at the top, those messages in there, those key messages. But then the testimonies that I hear from you and from others are so often just like your testimony there that he was doing something from stage. But it's when he talks about the redhead, about his wife that impacts people. And they come out of what they thought was going to be a motivational seminar, a business seminar. And they say, I just got inspired for my marriage. I see that happen at ZLC. And I just want to pull that out because – uh, folks are looking for a step-by-step on a business aspect, something that's going to help me build my career. And they so often come out of ZLC and it's a relational lift that they just got that lifts their entire lives. And Tom, I know you see that happen, that they, they wanted an ABCD, how to uh, make more money, how to sell more things, how to uh, increase in their job. They got that, of course, they get that. Uh, they get that in an incredible way, but they also get this relational lift that lifts their entire lives. And I think that's what you're saying you saw so often, yes? Absolutely. In fact, uh, speaking of Ziggler Legacy Certification, in our first class was a lady named Sherry Perry. And we've been close friends with her for years. Years ago, she came through a Born to Win seminar that Dad put on. And she came to it as a turning point in her life. She was going to go home and, and get separated and divorced. That's why she came. She wanted a foundation personally. Hmm. She left re-energized to go back and work on our marriage. And they're happily married to this day. And she credits that experience. So people go to these events and they think my life is miserable and it's because of my spouse, right? <laughs> and they're ready to throw it in. And then they, then they get this hope and, this, and this, these concepts that dad talks about. And they realize, wait a second, I'm part of this deal too. There are things I can do, and they get recommitted. And then when when somebody, when two people are not getting along and, and one partner sees the other partner really come across the line, right? You know, instead of saying, I'm giving all I'm going to give, I'm not giving anymore. But when they come across the line with the right motive, so many times that opens up the door on the other side for them to say, wow, you know, I haven't seen that from you in a long time. Maybe I can give you some more of what you're looking for, right? That. Yeah. That's where that relationship comes back in. So, yeah, and so when we when we launched uh, certification, 
Sherry Perry was one of the very first ones to register, and I asked her why, and she said, "He saved my marriage. I mean, he saved my marriage, and my career has just gone through the roof. Why? Why wouldn't I want to be equipped to help others who've been in the same situation I've been in?" Uh, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on a question I had for you um, based on that. And my, my initial question, but I'm gonna round it out a little more was, I mean, Zig was an amazing man, but not perfect, of course. And I wanted to know a little bit about where was his Achilles heel that he had to do double time to overcome, not only in his marriage, but in relationships overall. That's, that's, question, that's the first part of the question. And the second part is wondering, I mean, of course we would want to think that with your mom, the redhead, his wife, that he acted in the way that he did with her, that he was so devoted with her out of his deep, authentic love. But I'm guessing, too, that he saw the results of what that did for his overall life, to have a strong relationship, to have deep love. And he saw there's, there's other results here. So it's not that he was just uh, the epitome of love itself. He was wise in seeing that this is what the outcome is and I assume that that's what made him pursue it and overcome whatever his weaknesses were. So that's kind of a big question there. I'll let you take it from there. So I think his biggest weakness or his biggest challenge uh, is time. Hmm. I mean, he he was so busy. He, he had so many things he wanted to create, books to write, traveling all the time. Uh, back in the peak of his travel, you know, three, four nights a week many times. You know, there might be a month where he's gone a good part of it. And then he would teach Sunday school. He taught Sunday school 40 Sundays a year. And he would prepare for a Sunday school teaching as much or more than he would when he'd go out and speak because it was a lot of it was new information. So he would spend hours on Saturday preparing for his class on Sunday. And so that's the obstacle. That's the challenge. How do you give the most important person in your life the time that they need and deserve, right, to build that relationship? So luckily, one of his greatest strengths was his discipline. Dad was one of the most disciplined people I ever knew. And so he was intentional about planning the time, right? And any time he could grab dinner or if he could do anything to get extra, he made it a commitment that if he could get home by midnight – he would get at home. He always wanted to sleep in his own bed, right? So many nights I would see him coming in, you know, at 11, 12 o'clock at night, sometimes later because of weather delays and stuff like that. But he would much rather fly out that evening, that night, than to stay one more night in the hotel and come back first thing in the morning, right? Because there's something special and sacred about, you know, being at home in the morning when you wake up, when the pace is slow and you can just communicate with your spouse, and that's that's what he did. I mean, he he was intentional with his schedule and his time. Yeah, he packed it full of things, but at the top of that list was mom. Well, I want to on that uh, preface, and also you mentioned this. It's interesting that your story that I had not heard before just now of uh, Jim. Uh, being asked about how he felt with Julie traveling and him being home. I wanted to point out, you know, Zig's message that we, that we just heard it admitted and some of them, you know, admittedly comes from an era where uh, of gender roles that are questioned even more so today, you know, the man working, the woman at home, homemaking and mothering. 
And I really just want to point out to people, don't let that derail you. You're cutting off your nose to spite your face if you do. If you'll temper yourself the cultural realities, just like those of the Bible where you know, women couldn't cut their hair and men couldn't cut their beards, you're going to find the point here, which is honoring each other wherever you're at, whatever your roles and duties are that you've agreed on with your spouse. So I just want to really challenge people. See the point here. Don't get derailed by some. Uh, we all have things in our cultures and perspectives that may not be the same across the board, but the point at the heart is good. Well, Tom Zig cited this quote in the, in the message. He said, do something every day that your mate is capable of doing for themselves. They make a difference. Nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. And that was St. Francis de, de Sales, I think is how you say that. Uh, All right. That got me, that last line, nothing is so gentle as real strength. Uh, it just hit home for me, Tom, as I listen to this. I mean, my go-to strength is trying to be Superman, do everything, endure anything, do more. Uh, but after 22 years of marriage, and as you talked about with Jim and Julie, uh, my wife, Terry, and I, we've done a good bit of marriage counseling. We've had some, we've had some rocky terrain, to say the least, uh, with seven children and some with some uh, medical issues and me with a lot of, of business shenanigans. And, uh, you know, we, we about killed our marriage a couple of times in all truth. And we know those valleys and we, uh, they're part of our history, but I can confidently say now after having come out of a lot of that, that what I thought was my main strength, my go-to that being the Superman, it was not my best strength. It, it, there's some, there's some valor to it, but it, it just wasn't what, I needed to be Superman and what I need to be Superman uh, in instead of just doing is in being, uh, being what my wife needed. That's the real strength that she wants. And it's the same for her. We, and we haven't arrived. We're a work in progress. And so, you know, in that Tom Zig said, you know, love is nurtured by interest, involvement and expressions of love. What are some areas I'm wondering that weren't natural to you in this aspect that you've learned to walk out in your own marriage and giving the real strength to your wife? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's a, um, um, especially when you're working and developing on a relationship and we've been married, it'll be 28 years this year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, it, and it's, the cool thing is, is it grows every year, right? If it wasn't growing, how fun would that be? You know, it just, you're, if you're not growing, you're dying. But, you know, one of the things that you that, that it took a while for me to appreciate and learn is our opinions on things didn't have to be exactly the same, mm. right? So I, I admire and respect her for the differences that she brings to it. We look at things differently, which is really good because she is fantastic uh, around a lot of areas that I'm pretty clueless in. And so the differences, you know, early in the marriage, it's like, well, you know, that's not the way it is, blah, 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 blah. Let's do it this way. And you leave upset or angry. And now I look at it and I step back and I go, hey, I need to pay attention here. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> She's probably pointing out something that's a blind side that I just may not know. And so that kind of input is really good. And, and you know, it could be small stuff. And it can be big stuff, and it can be cumulative stuff. And so, I encourage spouses, especially men, listen to your to your spouse when you when you kind of hear a theme going on, either about a new venture 
or a, a part, a business partner or something you're doing, right? If there's a little bit of, you know, because right out of the gate, we're like hard charges. We want to make it happen. Let's go do it. And they don't have enough information to say, well, this, this, and this is wrong. And that's what we like. That's what I like. I like, well, tell me what's wrong. They may not know what's wrong. They may just say, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And boy, what great caution, what what great things. And so early on, I'd be, I'd ignore her. I'd get upset about it. And now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I may not say anything right away, but I'm going to go search that out. I'm going to go figure out where does that fit because there's something going on there. And then, then that allows you to go to the next level is, well, well, what else do I think is her fault that's really not her fault? It's probably my fault. And then when you start accepting somebody at that level, it's amazing how you get accepted back in the same areas, right? The same way. Maybe not the same area, but the same kind of consideration. Yeah. Man, you absolutely got my number on that one, Tom. I, I, I came into my marriage feeling like health, marital health was being of the same viewpoint, totally in harmony. And I banged my head against that for a good 15 years before finally getting to what you're talking about and honoring the diff and allowing the differing of opinion, which I'll have to say is still something that I have to consciously do today. Maybe at some point it'll become natural, but, uh, uh, thanks for pointing out. It's a good, great reminder for me. Uh, Zig talks in this clip about being in a social event and introducing and treating your spouse with great pride And it made me think, you know, if you can't do that, then you know where your work needs to be focused to begin with. It's having respect, which is really what you just testified to a second ago, is is respecting your spouse and and showcasing that. If you don't respect your spouse, then it reflects, ultimately, I've always thought this is interesting, it reflects on you. I mean, you chose to marry him, right? To devote your life to him, to to possibly create children with them. What did you originally respect most? We've got to get back to that in our marriages. And Tom, I got to admit, over 22 years, there have been many times when my respect for my spouse has waned. Uh, I've taken Terry for granted. I felt like I do. And this man, this was one that I see time and time again. I hear it time and time again. And then I realize I fall into it as well. That I feel like I do more than she does. You start keeping a tally list, uh, especially when you've got a family. And, you know, then I don't feel like giving. I don't think about what uh, I think. I tend to think more about what I'm not getting and I don't want to give. But then I remember my responsibility, my commitment to devotion and not just the devotion to duty, but to love. And I feel like that's what Zig kept coming back to. It's not just the devotion to duty. A lot of people can do that. We can stay, especially as guys, we can stick it out, man. We can do a 50 year uh, unhappy marriage. Well, there's just not a whole lot of value and valor in that it's the devotion to love and i think it's you know it's human nature back in that point of thinking that we do more and everyone else does less we hear it in the workplace we hear it at the home front uh, we all tend to fall into that which means many many uh, of us most of us are wrong tom in that light how do you see that perspective of getting to that point where we think that we're in the right we think that we're doing more how does that play out, not just in marriage, but in our world and culture today? Oh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, there's some things that are non-negotiable. Um, so we're not talking about those. We're talking about opinions. Uh, Dad used to, he had a funny, you know, he said, uh, you know, some things are absolutes. You know, in all of his life, he traveled all the time, and when he walked through the front door, not once did he hear my mom 
ask him, honey, were you relatively faithful on this trip? Hmm. <laughs> right? So we're not talking about these absolutes about commitment and faith and, and, and integrity and those kind of issues. Uh, but when you when you set an anchor in the sand around something that's like, well, I want a red car, you know, it's just it it just creates a defensive posture because immediately you are saying, I'm going to get what I want. So the other person immediately starts thinking, well, I'm going to have to do the same thing. I'm going to have to get what I want, right? And there's nothing worse than a marriage where one person gets everything they want and the other person is a, is a mat, right? They're just giving up everything. That's miserable for both and it won't last long. And so – uh, some of the books I've read, like on boundaries, I think Henry Cloud wrote boundaries and, and uh, things like that, and it talks about how we have to we have to do two things. We we have to create a boundary for what we're willing to accept, right? We're not going to allow somebody to run over us, but at the same time, we've got to understand that other people have opinions and needs and ideals that we're going to have to get outside of ourselves and say, oh, okay. I may not care about that, but they love it, so I'm going to do it just because they love it. If they love it, I'm going. Because I'm not going to do it, I'm going because I love them. Okay, well, on that, we're, we're going to wrap up here. And you know, people, I'm sure a lot have heard this, and they've heard some things out of Zig's message and out of this conversation, and, and they resonate with it. They understand it. It makes sense. They know, just like I have. Uh, and Yet we know also that we are prone to turning around and just going forward as normal. That if we are going to reframe our perspective, start new habits, and get new results, we've got to walk this out. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Tom. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. But as as you're talking about this and knowing that this has to be walked out, what are a couple of your favorite resources? If you want to name books, and uh, whether that's a a Ziegler book or something else, you just name somebody else's uh, book on boundaries, which we own as well. But what's a couple for folks who are hearing this who feel uh, they feel motivated? To, I, I got to do something. I got to make a change to walk this out to get a different result. Name a couple yeah. of resources. Uh, I'm not very good on on authors' names. <laughs> I just so so boundaries definitely. Yeah, and I think that's cloud. And then uh, love and respect. Mm-hmm. Great okay. book. So so those are two fantastic resources that I would that I would highly recommend. Of course, Dad's book, Courtship After Marriage. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. We also have a CD series on that, um, which is fantastic. And while we're talking about relationships, Raising Positive Kids in a Negative World, that's a book and a CD series as well. So in marriage, as you know, you've got a whole pack of kids at, at your house. How, how many of your marriage challenges center around how you're going to raise your kids? Yeah. Right, because you got strong opinions and beliefs, and most households you got one person who's more of a disciplinarian, the other one who's like, ah, let it go, you know. And of course, you can't do either one of them all the time. You got to have a little bit of both to make it really work. And and uh, if the parents aren't on the same page, that's tough. So, boy, those those books, uh, boundaries, love and respect, courtship after marriage, raising positive kids, those are some great resources. Well, I'm gonna have you end us with a quote from your dad, or just if you can help do it justice, because I can't remember the details, but it reminds me of what must have been what three years ago or so that I was with you guys, and I got to spend a day with you and with uh, and with your dad with Zig, and that was you know that was near the latter parts of his life after his big fall, and as sharp as he still was. 
he would repeat himself. And I got so much out of that day with him because I saw that he came back to those same messages that were nearest and dearest to his soul that he wanted to impart to others because he felt that they were the most important ones. That was one of them. So you mentioned his book, Courtship After Marriage. I don't know how many times that day that he came back. As I was talking to him, I did an interview of him that day, and he would find a reason, an opportunity to come in and say, if people courted their spouse after marriage like they did before they were married, how did he end that with? Divorce would be non-existent? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. He said the secret to happy marriage, it's simple. Treat your spouse after you get married just like you did right before you got married. Mm -hmm. Man, it was it was impacting and daunting to me, Tom. Because I'm thinking, really, <laughs> life's different now. The responsibilities, the 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 wounds that we've inflicted on each other. But then I went back to that. Gosh, wouldn't we all love that? Yeah. And so maybe it's not the same. But if we would make the effort, um, good. So again, culminating that book, courtship after marriage. Yeah. And just to add on, uh, I was talking about this at a conference this week we were talking about dad's marriage and I said, you know, one of the things that dad did that was a lot of fun is when he was speaking and he'd been married about 30 years at this time. So he was, let's just say he was in his fifties. He would get on stage and he would say, Hey, the redhead and I, we just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. And the people in the audience would kind of clap politely and they'd be looking at each other like, Hey, you're, you, there's no way you've been married 50 years. And then dad would kind of chuckle and he'd step back and he'd say, now, 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 we haven't been married 50 years. We've just heard that the 50th wedding anniversary was so much fun. We decided to go ahead and celebrate it early. <laughs> that's excellent. And that's what he did. So every year he would celebrate his 50th wedding anniversary. Wow. And it's kind of like that mentality. I mean, who wouldn't want to go on their honeymoon every year? Right. Why not recreate, you know, that time frame in your life where you fell madly in love with your spouse? And how do you do that? Well, the biggest part of it is you treat your spouse just like you did when you fell in love the first time. Well, that's a marvelous charge. And as we're talking here, my wife uh, called me on the phone. I'm going to call her up and extend some love and respect <laughs> and gratitude man thanks tom thank you for uh for sharing your heart and letting us get into some of the the details and intimacies of, of zig's marriage that gets behind some of these stories that we hear thank you all for listening we look forward to being back with you at the next ziggler show thanks for tuning into the ziggler show Sign up for new show alerts at ZiglarShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. <laughs>